Warning, warning. Today's episode of the podcast contains discussion of various issues which may be upsetting to some people. However, it does not contain very much swearing, except maybe the S word, which isn't really swearing. It isn't really, and if you do think the S word is swearing, then it's kind of your problem. Hello, cats and kittens. It's Geraldine with another pre-podcast announcement. Just a reminder that the Melbourne Cabaret Festival is coming up. I have two shows in the festival. My next solo show, which is completely original and brand new and is with a band uh, on the 23rd to the 25th of June called Fox Ponsing. And also a live Bang on the Strillers recording of the podcast with guests Mike McLeish, Carlos Zaid, who I'm about to have a chat to, and others yet to be confirmed, which is on the 21st of June. Yes, that's two, two shows, one of which is completely new and original the other of which has guests because I'm insane also I did get a message from one of the podcast listeners apparently I talk about myself too much on my own podcast that I pay money to produce and put out there for free so thanks for that feedback so a celebration of the Melbourne Cabaret Festival I decided that we might uh, have a bit of a chat with some of the people who are in the program sit back Lie down, roll over, oh wait, I'm not talking to a Labrador, do whatever the hell you want as you listen to Bang on the Strillers, whatever number episode this is. Oh, by the way, we do talk about the fact that my face is currently on a tram in Melbourne. Uh, So if you've seen that, please send me a photo. Uh, Please subscribe uh, to the Facebook page, which is forward slash bang on the strillers or follow me on Twitter, um, me, Geraldine Quinn, or bang OT strillers. They're both me but it just makes my podcast look more popular. Thanks, guys. Hey there, cats and kittens, and welcome to episode 13 of Bang on the Strillers, the cabaret podcast where I, Geraldine Quinn, talk nonsense to colleagues and friends in the... Oh, you know all this. In this episode, I'm chatting to Carlos Zaid, one-third of the Beautiful Losers and currently appearing in Australian Horror Story for the Melbourne Cabaret Festival, alongside Aurora Sheehan, Nee Kurth, and Mark Jones, who is also in my show that I have definitely written. We chat about Shakespeare, violence, more violence, trying not to be the social media asshole begging everyone to go to their show, and latex comedy boobs. www.melbournecabaret.com. Please book. Thank you. And oh. even if you do, you can sort of chop around it and okay. or we can we can drop in some more. Although I just thought <laughs> I probably should say we might try not to swear. Sure. Yes, I can do that. Because I, uh, all I need to do is be reminded. I just think of a child running around, and I'm okay. I really love. I, lo- I won't I don't, swear. I love. The I fact like to express myself without that. Well, I love the fact that podcasts mean you can swear, mm. and it doesn't really matter because I think that I've already got in trouble for talking about myself too much. But <laughs> I think that um, Marin's one they swear like sailors, but you know. But because we, because we, but they're we're, also really. Yeah, we're we're thick as two bricks. <laughs> Um, Marin's super sharp. Did you watch his show? No. I don't think we should talk about somebody else's podcast on my podcast. No. Have we started? We've started, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. I didn't realise we'd started. No, that's okay. (laughs) No, it's just that I think because because we're going to do a a little miniature Melbourne Cabaret Festival special. Definitely. um, It would probably be nice if if it managed to reach an audience beyond my normal audience who are used to me effing and blinding. Certainly. 
I perhaps didn't. I still just like the way we started. That was great. The C word quite so much. No, I won't. None of none of the above. I can do that. I, once again, I've pictured the child gam- gambling. There you go. Gambling. Gambling children in my and, and no swearing. There we go. Oh, man, Carlos. <laughs> now, I've known you for about 10 years and I yeah. always presumed your surname was pronounced with kind of two syllables, but I've never checked. Yeah, you'd be right. Zaid? Yeah, Z- Zaid. If you want to, it's, and it's a, it's a, Bugger. That's as far as I'll go. Bugger it's a bug, bugger of a name. Um, it's a Polish name. It's, uh, yeah, my first name is Latvian, named after my uh, mother's singing teacher. Uh, my mother's conductor, I should say. Uh, but the surname is Polish. It's Zaid. And no one gets it right. And that's okay. I don't expect them to. I just want them to get Carlos right. That bit's pretty hard to mess up, though. Yeah, yeah, but it's no, yes and no. I expect them to call me Carlos for the first week or so and then if it passes two weeks or more and I know the person on a pretty intimate basis and they're still calling me Carlos then I get shirty but yeah. I but I let the surname slide but it's Said. I think it's Turkish somewhere in the annals of history but there you go there you go so what were you telling me just off there about <laughs> tell me what the name of your your current show is and but it's yes. not the first um I was gonna say infestation but I meant manifestation it's definitely a 2.0 um, it's called Australian Horror Story. I wrote it with um, a, a good Baltic friend of mine, sort of link there, uh, Karen Muzhniecks. Uh, in 2012, we wrote an incarnation of it that we did at the Melbourne Cabaret Festival in 2012. Gosh, it, that's ages ago. It was a while ago. In the intervening times, <laughs> uh, Karen has was on a cruise ship playing the Goanna, as she does very well, and singing. Hang on, what? The, playing the piano on a cruise ship. Oh, I this is all of this is true. No, you said Goanna. Oh, the Goanna, you know, the piano, you know. No, uh, I've never heard the that. Keys. You I never heard the Goanna. Come immediately on, immediately a... thought of her trying to play a large monitor. <laughs> that in itself is exciting because I don't think of like a big lizard when you say monitor. I think like you know, I've ele- got that word electrical right, gear. I? I'm pretty yeah, yeah, you have, yeah. you have, but like. Anyway, um, <laughs> but she, she was on, she was on a cruise ship, doing a gig on a cruise ship. Met a guy from New Orleans, eloped, married, yeah, and married the dude and lives in New Orleans now. So herein lying some of the intervening time. It took about a year or so for me to actually track this journey uh, <laughs> via you know sort of messages on on the interwebs and and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And you're married and congratulations. So, And then some time after that too to sort of go, well, this show we were doing, I still really want to pursue that and how do you feel about that if I register the songs with APRA and blah, blah, blah. And she was all cool with it. And then I then I had to think about, you know, who I would get involved. And Mark Jones sprang to mind because we had a long relationship with Beautiful Losers. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, I had written a lot of the songs we both... We wrote about the show pretty much 50-50, but I'd written some of the songs for women, like I'd written female songs. Uh, so that was going to be an element that, that had to be in the show. And uh, after scratching my head as I've done before, um, because of the nature of what I write is kind of dark and black and uh, comic... Um, although this is probably not quite as heavy as Beautiful is. I don't know. Actually, that's probably not true. Um, <laughs> I had to find not just a really great singer uh, and actor, but someone who had that sensibility to be able to go there, as you would appreciate, you know, 
you, you're, you're happy to go there. Uh, <laughs> and Aurora Kurth is... Brilliant. ...is fantastic and, and has that sensibility um, but is also kind of a bit lighter than myself and Mark too, which is a nice foil. She's got a silliness to her. She does. Mm. It, she's, you know, working at Nike and all that sort of stuff. So uh, she's great with, uh, you know, the Gollier clowning sort of stuff. Um, and she's just, as has worked in other stuff I've done too, she's a bit, she's got a bit more light to myself and Mark's shade. And we do the shade and reasonably well. Yeah, she's so. got a play to her. Hmm. Um, Mark, to me, in your trio is the is the really... <clears throat> Business-like, um, yeah, with, and that doesn't mean it's not very, very funny and um, <clears throat> very, very moving as well. And <laughs> you, you're, you're just, you're rolling around in that gutter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Mark does the dry really well. I seem to cover the psychotic quite well, and then Rory, then well, she can do anything in anything basically. But, but, but all of that, but add a bit of lightness. Uh, uh, the characters that. The audience feels like they might relate to a bit more, which is a sort of formula that I've used for a while. Because Adam Murphy did that in Losers, and Mike McLeish actually did that in Losers as well. Although he's really good at the black stuff too. Mm. But Adam Murphy was definitely the boy next door. In fact, both of them they're so hot that they're leads in you know Georgie Girl together. Yeah. So you know they're yeah. vulnerable. They've got a vulnerability about them. They're so vulnerable. Transition. So what happened with the photo shoot for the show? <laughs> Um, we maybe I, we should explain what it looks like first. Yeah, sure, that's a really good idea. Which we're going for because Australian what? Horror Story. Okay, we still sort of still haven't explained what that what <laughs> is. The photo shoot goes a long way to explain. Okay, it, definitely. Um, it, it sort of is all in the title. Uh, it, it, it's a bunch of very dark satirical songs, and I will under, underline the word satirical. They're not. Me- they're meant to be taken seriously by virtue of the fact that. These are some of my darkest fears of the country that we live in, right? Right. Without getting too heavy. But so through black satirical comedy, ideally I want people to, you know, the the best case scenario is people think a little bit about something that they feel a bit uncomfortable thinking about. There's so many things for us to feel uncomfortable about. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Uh, But how how often do we do it and how often is it really thrust in our faces? I mean, I think it kind of is, but, but... with caveats, and I, I guess what I do, I don't. I, I chuck the caveats out, and there is a lot of blue language in my show because I put characters up on stage who would who wouldn't censor themselves. You know, mm. they they do effing blind. You know, um, but yeah, suffice to say, and what we represented in the photo shoot, and it was hard because uh, none of what we're putting up there is us. They're all horrible, horrible characters that are, are, are you know really extended awful archetypes of, of Australia, I suppose, or suburban Australia. Uh, so in the photo shoot I had an overarching idea of um, trying to put three of these archetypes up there. So um, I was in an, a full Essendon football kit with a, right. with a syringe hanging out of my arm. Oh, God. So, I mean, you know, obviously that was a lighter one that everyone could relate to, uh, the, the supplement scandal, and being a, an Essendon member until this year. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. So, uh, yeah, so I, I looked like a junkie, basically, a junkie footballer. I thought that was a pretty good archetype. That Mark covers, covers was wearing a few an apron with some barbecue yeah. tongs. Yeah. Now, Mark, initially <laughs> I said to Mark, for you, Mark, I, I envisage hipster zombie. 
Um, because there is a song <laughs> in the show about uh, a hipster who, who goes on a, a, a murdering spree. Uh, and I thought that could be represented as one of the archetypes that actually is in the show. At this point, we don't have a song about the Essendon uh, drug scandal. At this point. Uh, and Mark didn't know what hipster was, to be honest. And I tried to describe it for him and he said, like, Jack Kerouac. I'm like, mm, not really. Not really. Um, so, so anyway, that, that didn't they, fly. They'd probably say they'd read it when they hadn't. Or maybe they'd yeah. use a Jack Kerouac book into make it into some kind of a sculpture. Yeah. Without reading. Or just it. a coffee book table, or or a table made out of a Jack cover Kerouac of On the Road. On the road yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so I tried to describe. It was quite hilarious trying to describe it to Mark, um, who is so knowledgeable at so many things, and then there's social milieus that just totally pass him by, and he just couldn't get it. So I was like, all right. I was trying to. Hey, I was trying to explain trip hop to him once, and oh, I was. I was a bit. Good luck with that. Well, I was a bit lost as to how to do it. Um, well, it is hard. Which I actually felt more like that was um, probably my own uh, lacking, my failing. Yeah, right. In my descriptive powers, but anyway, continue. So trip hop, you, you take music and you jump up and down on it and put a beat to it. And there that's you go. not fair. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I hate Porter's head. I'm What's joking. wrong with you? Um, are so, they trip hop? Yeah. I thought. Oh, no, no, I suppose they are. Oh, I love Porter's head. Yeah. Um, and I, so he ended up, I, re- I retract that statement. So he entirely. didn't end up in the hipster land. No, he didn't. So I said, well, all right. So we bounced a few ideas back and forth. And he said, the zombie thing's good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, zombie's kind of good. If we can do suburban zombie. And so he was, he's like zombie barbecue dad with, uh, <laughs> with, an, with an, a, a novelty apron on. And I'm like, okay. And so I went and sourced a novelty apron for him. Good times. Um, <laughs> and the only one I could find had actually big latex boobs, like 3D latex boobs but coming the, out of it. In the Beautiful so, Losers, yeah. which was your previous show, wasn't he holding the... Um, he was holding... That actually came from the old Butterfly Club. He was holding... The um, Yeah, I don't know what her name was. Sandy it, what, or something. You what know. are you doing to Mark Jones? Just he, that was his idea. Okay. That one was his idea. He grabbed it. He's like, let's chuck this in. I'm like, all right, that's not really our show. doesn't do porn. but So once again, yeah, once again he's with, uh, with the latex boobs. boobs. Yeah. Um, and the zombie makeup looked great, particularly in some of them with his facial reactions. There's great. We picked a few sort of different ones, some less confronting than others, i.e. some without the latex boobs, but his expressions were always just awesome and they sort of, yeah. Made him. He looks quite undead in some of them. In that one, it's a little hard to tell, but the overall picture is good. And then Aurora, um, I sort of said to her, uh, sort of like tough, kind of you know, s- sunshine, sedden sort of chick. You know, a bit of a Sharon, a bit of a Shazza, exactly. Um, and she, she nailed that. Like she, yeah, her gear was great. I was like, oh, you know. Mockies or stuff like that, but she came with tracky pants and pulled them up and had a white singlet. Yeah. And I said wife beater sort of thing, but I mean, you know, I'm like, if I say for anyone who's not from Australia who might happen <laughs> to listen to that, I don't know. I would think it's. I think they use it in the UK as well. They but do. It's a. It's like a Bond singlet that's yeah. usually 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 blue. white or blue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she had the white one, which in in the reference end, to the kind of man who may or may not wear it and be rather. Too much on the masculine macho side. Exactly. Yeah. So I was flipping that and she had a ciggy hanging out of her mouth. So, yeah, a tough sort of like. Such a great bit of dark slang, isn't it? To call a singlet a wife beater. Wife beater, That's yeah. That's dreadful but 
Oh wow, so evocative. Anyway, but it's part it's part of our vernacular, which is kind of horrible, right? Which is kind of so, what you're looking at as well. Exactly. Yeah. This is what the show addresses, and so I thought, well, no point shying away from it in the publicity shot. So what happened? Which won't be on the front of any trams anytime no, soon. No, no, I'm on a tram. And then I know you are. <laughs> I saw you today, actually. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah. So oh. what happened with the makeup? Well, oh. then I got a great friend of mine who does makeup for horror movies, like big budget horror movies. Wow. So she's fantastic, and she came in with no prep and just brought herself and an assistant and went to town. And she really went to town on Aurora. I said, I reckon she's a real shazza and she looks like she's been in a fight. And, of course, this was my friend Mia's, uh, you know... Uh, milieu? Yeah, milieu, exactly. A- area of total expertise and comfortability. So <laughs> she went to town on Aurora and gave her, like, this streaming blood nose and because I did say, well, maybe Aurora doesn't win the fight. Maybe this character doesn't win the fight. But then I was like, whoa. When I saw her, I was like, oh, my God. And we were all like, oh, jeebus, um, because she looked like she'd taken a real kicking. And then I was like, well, to be honest, like, you know, that's not outside of the realm of what we dis- what we look at in, in this very dark show. And from there I didn't have a song in the show about a domestic violence, but then I wrote one about domestic violence pretty quickly, which is uh, what we're working – well, what I'm working on at the moment – called uh, I Hit Her Just a Bit, which is... Uh, I'm going to do a trigger warning at the top of this. Just yeah, fair case. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is um, laugh out loud funny at all. It's it's actually really, really black and dark and it actually addresses the fact that I, I feel in Australia, we are, we're starting to deal with domestic violence against women, but I still feel like there's an element from conversations I've had with people certainly possibly of a certain age demographic, maybe, who feel that, uh, you know, if it happens a little bit, then it's not so bad. You know, if it happens, I'm like, that's that's truly horrifying. Or, or And part of what is written about in the song is this mm. woman is being abused but there are no overt bruising and scars because he doesn't hit her that hard and he doesn't, you know... And the neighbours don't hear it, so he sort of gets away with it. So it's a really black, dark song. Yeah, Kids. yeah. No, well, it's, you know, to go slightly serious but not for very long, don't worry, kids. Um, it's incredibly, Dang. it's a massive shock if you, when you get hit. Like it's such, to be on the receiving end of getting yeah. a punch in the face, which I have been, mm. is, it's, it's a, if you, it's such a shock. It's such a shock. It would be for anybody. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, male or female, but... But, you know, I certainly didn't grow up in a particularly, not particular, I mean, spankings as a 70s man. Oh, sure. <laughs> but, but, yeah, the first time I got hit hit or when the first time you feel I am not the strongest person in this altercation is very terrifying and, and just physically shocking. You kind of freeze mm. and try to work out what you're going to do. Like when you talk to someone, this is a related thing sideways, and you realise you can't reason with that person someone on meth or someone who's not well and you suddenly have that moment of i can't talk my way out of this no uh is this is a similar kind of um very powerful revelation to have indeed yeah indeed and uh i mean yeah i i remember um corporal punishment at primary school like the number Mm. of times i got the strap and the cane which was totally unwarranted, I might, might point out. But, yeah, I still copped it a fair bit. Yeah, we had a cane. Slightly different yeah. times. Uh, and the strap, you know. I think the cane was, like, less punishing than the strap. The Wasn't strap. it like an inch thick or something? Yeah, yeah. he just leather? literally get his belt off, which yeah. was all, all 
slightly sus. But a anyway. belt? I thought that, that my school actually had a dedicated strap. It was nuns. They didn't run around wearing belts. Oh, no, I remember the headmaster just actually literally taking his belt off. My goodness. Anyway. How extraordinary. Uh, it was. 70s, huh? She, well, maybe um, that's another song about being uh, Totally, <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of that's been phased out. I certainly hope so. But anyway, needless to say, we don't shy from these kind of things. And Aurora sings a beautiful version of the, uh, the other darkest song that I've ever written about date rape drugs uh, called You Don't Know It Yet But You're Coming Home With Me, which once again, <laughs> once again I should point out, kids, is not designed to have you laughing at our gags but actually laughing really uncomfortably because it's dealing with things that are still out there, which, which, which I actually wrote that song about ten years ago and it's almost never been performed because it's so dark that... Adam Murphy sang it a bit and did a great job, but never he never he sang it in rehearsal and went, I can't do this in performance. And I'm like, dude, that's totally okay. I did it a couple of times and felt really just it was yeah, it's me addressing stuff that I find horrifying. It's, you know, horror story. Um, did it a couple of times. It went quite well. People laughed more than I expected, in possibly because way? of my archetype. I think uncomfortably, yes, but also because I'm not phys- a physically threatening guy. And I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I don't know why they laughed as much because it wasn't designed to be anything other than maybe a little bit of laughing at uncomfortability and then really thinking about the topic because mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious what the topic is in the song. Mm-hmm. But then when Aurora did it, she did. We did a rehearsed reading last year at the Butterfly Club, and it was just spectacular. Because I had, ne- I was like, I'm putting this one on the table because I still believe in this idea, and I think this still needs to be talked about and addressed in a darkly satirical way. Um, but I totally understand if this doesn't make the light of day again because it's really, really heavy. And Aurora said, "This will work if I do it." That's right, and I, she was right. I think you're right. If if you there's a huge amount of power in that. There's a huge amount of power in putting in putting the words into changing um, the. Um, she's really the subject of the song, like as a gender to a degree, yeah. not solely. Yeah. Of course, I'm not suggesting that, but but yeah, suddenly making that a story that she's telling. Yes. About something that you start thinking, well, you start to see. Both, it forces you to see both, both sides because it's coming out of a woman's mouth. Yeah, I think so. And, so. And, and, and it's the moment she said that we were like, yep, that, that could certainly be a thing. Well, Because I felt really bad about doing it again but I did put it on the table because I believed in the song. And then the, the thing is it's from the perspective of the actual protagonist, the song as well. Protagonist? And what do you mean? Do you- it's, it's, the song is sung from the perspective perspective of the actual date rapist yes so so there's always going to be a question in an audience's mind when they hear a man sing it of do they understand how bad this is so the minute that you get a woman to sing it it's like oh well they must understand that because it's a woman singing it i think you've put that incredibly well Well, that, that that is very true so yeah so anyway it's um she she really nailed it, and I was I was pleased because I believe in the reason behind the song very strongly, and and I just I thought oh, I can't I can't I can't do this song. It's just it's, it's also it was very just very hard for me to sing because it is super dark. But outside of that, <laughs> we also have songs about uh, a vampire in Collingwood who's so terrified by Collingwood that he runs away. So you know, <laughs> there's lighter gear as well. Transition. 
I'm feeling songwriter pressure now because I'm still writing and going, oh, man. Oh, so are we. I was worried we're, about we're, some we're of my We're desperately being arranging and, and we haven't even had anything with our new director yet, so, you know. Oh, Mark hasn't got any songs from me and he's playing in my <laughs> show. Like, so, so we're supposed to have a rehearsal on Monday and I'm trying to get about four or five songs into a Dropbox before yeah. then. Well, there's plenty of time, folks. By the time we get there, these things, oh, so the be, shows are these actually, things will be uh, like from, sparkling. We're talking now in the third week of May. Yeah. And so th- it's actually a, a lot of time before we're on, so that's not an issue. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, you're still... cabaret artists work. Oh, the Real pressure quick. just to get Boom. writing out. <laughs> and when you've got to be responsible for other people, because I work yes. so much on my own, and then I've got a band and I'm going, well, you're very expensive, which makes me terrified. Not them themselves, but just having a band costs money and uh, and I want to get it right. I, oh, my God, I need to take care of you mm. by giving you the songs maybe not a week before. Yeah. That would be that, nice. That's that's that's. That's, you know, so you that's feel, caring and sharing. Well, your story makes me feel incredibly underprepared. And we got Gatesy as our director. And that's I know. Nice. Jealous. Yeah. I don't have a director. Well, Sorry, you, that's you, not about me. No, no, that's well, it's, it's equally about you and any anything else. Um, but maybe you don't need a director. Uh, you need the right director. Uh, you need a great o- outside eye, I yeah. think. Yeah, but, I think Gatesy's good You can have that. more than one eye. You can have two or three or yeah. even. Yeah, people get Third phone eye. calls from me. Like I get a lot. <laughs> like I've had this idea. I'm not sure it's funny, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I yeah do well, that's that that's. I think Gatesy will be doing a lot of that and and filming us in in rehearsal so we can <laughs> so we've got more publicity angles because three shows you can um, we we we're not hiring a publicist for three shows that's for sure. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's it's not worth it. it's, it's kind of mm, yeah, it's kind of tricky that way. You. This is a good. This is a good topic to move on to. If it's not ho- wholly boring, how you promote these things? Because we got so many. We've got Rory on board. You know, a new member, and and Gatesy's going to cross promote it a bit as well. Now we've got many more likes on our page, the Australian Horror Story page. Check it out, kids. Um, <laughs> many more likes on our page in the last couple of weeks. Right, heaps, heaps. You can only invite so many people, and then it shuts down. Right, so send all the invites out. Heaps and heaps of people You're clicking. Talking about invites to the event. To the event, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got and also to like the page. I've and got also a to trick around. Have you? Oh, you have to tell me. We might. We won't do it here. That out. sounds like shit. Um, so, and that's great, right? So people like the page and they say they're coming to the event because oh, because nothing. they say all that and like and then and then but you still got to hammer it away. And I I don't like being the guy who. Badges and no. feel like I'm badgering every week, going, "Hey!" And just by, I haven't even done that yet. Gone. Don't forget to actually book for the show as well. Yeah, it's very. It's all very I, well to click. I agree with you. I, I don't like doing it either. I find it a little. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm being that annoying person. I try to be amusing. I know I'm frequently not, but I do try to find. I try I to find a thread. With, yeah, I think you do that very well. Oh, thanks, mate. But I think it's very. Yeah, it's really tricky. You don't want to be that asshole that just goes, "Hey, show, yeah, wow, woo, woo." And some people yeah. are great at it. I think Clara Cupcakes is really funny with it too. Ellie yeah. Squire, she's good. Um, she's consistent, um, but very artistically interesting, and she's funny. So yeah, but so. also, what else is there? I mean, you know, if, particularly if you're doing a short season, what are your other options? I mean, I don't, I don't know whether. It's a postery poster things and flyers. I don't know whether they work the way they used to once upon a time. I and I used to do email lists too now and I don't even know. People seem to be affronted now if you send them an email with you, 
with all your stuff. Oh, people Some are, people do. People are affronted if you put out a free podcast that they've listened to <laughs> and they're not happy with exactly how it goes. They are, yeah. <laughs> oh, why must my 80-year-old daughter be subjected to this? Well, turn thing? it off! <laughs> um, but it's an, it is an interesting one and I really believe in this show because it's, you know, like what you do, it's all original stuff. All the songs are original. And I'm not besmirching for one moment cabaret artists who do other people's material. That's cool because yeah. I've, I've been that person as well and I still to a degree am. But this version, this show is all original songs and that's a hell of a lot of work as you would know. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I think it's important. I think songwriting is important. <laughs> I think songwriting is important for for a number of genres. I think it is for, you know, straight music, as she says, using her Tim and Debbie inverted commas. Mm. That's an old reference, kids, Tim and Debbie. Anyway. No, um, it was the way you, the hands, in they were sort of almost claw-like and that's 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 the specific one. Inverted commas yeah, there. Yeah. So um, for mu- straight music and for music theatre and for cabaret, I think I think all of those things are very, I think songwriting is um, important for all of those things. And, and Australia, as I've said before, um, has got a really good track record of comedic songwriting, um, yeah. like musical comedy, which then I think bleeds into everything else. So I'm, I'm the same. I know there are people that feel a bit like um, being a covers cabaret artist is somehow the dirty word, but it really depends on the scene you're in. Sometimes yeah. being the original one means you don't get booked for things because they don't know what you are. Well, um, this is, and that's that's sort of what I'm saying. It's it's. I think I feel like it's a. It can be a fair bit harder if you've actually got a product that is. Totally original, and they're going well. What's I don't in understand. It? What they it don't is. have something to hook into. That's right. Um, and we had a lot of, <laughs> with beautiful losers. We did so many obscure, dark songs that a lot of pe- a lot of the time people thought we wrote them all, and we actually didn't write a lot of them. Some of them were just songs that no one had ever heard, and and they assumed that we'd written them all. But this is a case of like, and that went really well. Uh, it was a great but, um, little show. Yeah, yeah. I think, and the the three of us, the, or the rotating four of us, um, always sort of worked really well together. And, but, and you, um, you nailed though. I think with beautiful losers and Australian Horror Story, both of them are evocative as titles, and they're related. So it's not like you can move from beautiful losers is not such a huge stretch to, no. but with, with being very different. But it's not such a huge stretch in terms of the of the flavour. You can understand people who liked Beautiful Losers, for example, getting oh, I know what Australia's story is, horror story is going to be like. I think I yeah. might like that too. Well, there's still very much the preoccupations of myself and and Mark, uh, first and foremost, yeah. and and even when we were doing other people's songs, we was I was still writing a lot of text, uh, and we were taking them and making them specifically about sort of dark. Yeah. Horrible Australian thing. So it led pretty. It was a pretty straight progression into this. And I, as as that had progressed, because we'd been doing that since like two thousand and five. And as that progressed, I more and more was pushing that I wanted to move into satirical stuff and wanted to make it specifically about satirical things in Australia and things that I was upset about. And then we, yeah, I think one of the first original songs I can't certainly can't give the title of, but it was uh, <laughs> about yeah capital punishment in Australia and. Um, yeah, so we, we even in Beautiful Losers, we were writing our own stuff, and then and then it became a thing of like I want to do an entire show by myself, and it just happened that I did that with Karen. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and yeah, Murph and Mike, they're both in Georgia now because they're just so damn hot. Oh. You know, that's the problem. Oh. Um, so I'm Ma- to Mark, suck up Mark to and the I, you know, director. we're totally leading men in in musicals, but 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 <laughs> but Toxic Avenger hasn't come here yet. So. <laughs> It will. 
did our transition. Well, I'm doing My Fair Lady this year, which is bizarre. Go figure. Who are you? Are you? A... I'm the butler. Oh, I was <laughs> hoping you'd be a lovable cockney. Well, I was thinking I was going to be a lovable cockney. I, I went in there with that particular thought in mind, thinking I'd be, I don't know, maybe one of, um, you know, Doolittle's gang of reprobates. But no, they went the total different way. I'm doing that and covering Colonel Pickering, so go figure. I'm, I'm the butler? You're talking about Higgins' mum's butler? Because he didn't have a butler, did he? No, the household butler. It's the household Did he? Guy. A, I thought it... Okay. You're actually now exposing my lack of knowledge of the musical and the film. I didn't but think no, they there's, had there's a, a butler. butler. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's the household with the. I thought there was. I like, think he's the footman and stuff like I that. I thought there know, was more of a governessy type woman uh, there staff is. member there. Yeah, and that's Robin Nevin. <laughs> um, okay. And there's but no, there's the guy. I think it's a yes, ma'am, no, ma'am kind of role. It's not going to be a massive stretch. Right. I've got my yeah. George Bernard Shaw over there, oh, there somewhere. Do you know I did an audition the other day? Uh, for a commercial. I'm sure you did. I don't get many auditions, <laughs> that's not what I was saying. But, but what was really interesting was um, the woman who recorded me at the casting agency. I, got, I don't have an agent, so I just got called directly by the casting agency, yeah. which is kind of nice because you develop yeah, a yeah, relationship yeah, with them. It's the best way to go. And she said, oh, you were in such and such a year, graduating year at National Theatre Drama School. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, didn't you do that? Yeah, you did that Sphinx piece. She remembered the piece I did. And I was sitting there staring at her going, I don't think I remember this. And then... You don't, she, you don't remember the I piece? I didn't remember. <laughs> and then she physically... And this is how many years ago? This is 13 years ago. Yeah. Then she physically adopted this pose, which um, is her palms down, hands, like arms at right angles, elbows by her side, like, like a Sphinx. Mm-hmm. She went, yeah. And, and the minute she did it, all these memories flooded back of, of this piece of theatre which now I'm going what was it from I don't was it George Bernard Shaw it might have been I can't remember um sounds like Louis Nara to me but no uh, no no it was like it was a it was a Gunter Grass kind of a thing it was that that but or but it was English it was really interesting and I'd forgotten about it completely Babs McMillan who was our director of drama really pushed me into these interesting pieces so I did um Richard II for my Shakespeare I did a speech I was Richard II which is um yeah, everyone else is doing Juliet and bullshit like that and I just went no Juliet's bullshit but I was too old for no, it they're, then they're so, just they're just playing to their own gender well so. I was just trying to find something a bit di- bit different that had, was not unprecedented because Fiona yeah. Shaw did Richard II Richard II's been done by women before yeah 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 Really wonderfully, it's very complicated role. It's one of my favourite Shakespeare roles. Anyway, good. I was just, just delighted that I felt so um, just delighted that she remembered not only that I did that piece, asked about other people who were in my class, my other classmates, and remembered that piece and me doing it. Blew my mind because you just feel like you know, 13 years out of drama school, uh, I had like two jobs. And the rest of my career I've made. And to think that a casting agent remembered me 13 years later was really, I felt very touched. It's, it's well, it's great. It's great when you feel like you've made an impact on, on anyone as an On as an anyone, artist. yeah, not just On a to one-to-one a basis. It's, it's really nice. And particularly if time passes, then you're like, wow, that, that really did strike a chord with you and, and meant something. And that's that's... Isn't that, well, it's sort of kind of what it's about, sort yeah, of, without well, getting is. too carried away. No, but it is, but it, I mean, I don't want to sound like that's an, oh, oh, oh my God, I'm so special. It's not that, it was, it's actually years, the opposite of that. But 13 years, it's obviously made some, it's made an impression on someone. I was so amazed and I just was like, oh, oh 
my God. And it reminded me of the piece too, which I've got to dig up again because it was a really great piece. just feels like a different world. Sphinxy like Malone, is that it? Sp- no, that, that's it. it. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Carry on sphinxing. Uh, <laughs> Sphinx is off. But yeah, and look, the number of people when Losers first started moving towards original fare and this song, which, how shall I put it? I'll call it um, uh, Swines We Should Kill, which isn't the, the first word from the title, but anyway, it was an anti-capital punishment song and the n- number of people who came up, oddly enough... Oh, I know what it's called now. Yeah, you know okay. what it's called now, right? Yeah. Um, Cads We Should Kill, how about that? Um, Good. The number of people who rolled up after that song, which we played for a, a many years, much to my sort of slight horror but also... Was well, no, no. It was mainly horror that it still was relevant <laughs> for that long. You know, it was relevant that we played it for like five years or so. Anti-capital punishment, uh, and the number of people who would come up afterwards and say, again, sort of disturbingly, um, <laughs> I really like that song, "Cads We Should Kill," and and proceed to list a whole bunch of people who I should add to I the list <laughs> of people who should be killed. Not really. <laughs> Totally getting the idea that the whole song was satire and the whole idea was that, you know, no one really deserves capital punishment and to put a horrible character up there that's espousing it is the whole point in that you see this awful person and go, yeah, that is really upsetting. I don't think capital punishment is okay. But so many people took it on face value and what do you do? You just got to stand there and go, okay, cool. Mm. Glad you like the song. Maybe we'll... Put that person on the list. Uh, you know what I mean? You, you, it's sort of not your right to go, you know what, I think you really missed the message and that's a little upsetting. Of course, if everyone is doing it, and I and that was my that was my sort of like watchword, I was had it in the back of my mind. If everyone comes up and says this afterwards, then no one's getting the point and I need to pull this song because they think it's everyone obviously thinks it's a pro-capital punishment song. But no, most people actually did get it, but Every time we did it, there would still be a couple of people, mm. quite upsettingly, coming up and and I think supporting capital punishment, which I'm, at the end of the day, it's their right to do that and that's sort of what the whole point is. But, um, yeah, some people who really honestly thought that it was a, a, a pro-capital punishment song. In the minority, I should point out, but you've just got to stand there and nod your head or, or, or they just thought it was so funny and they didn't really think too much about it. In a way, I'm jealous of you because you're looking at stuff in the context of your show and its framework, you get to go to a very, very dark place um, because you kind of, well, you're working with other people so you can deflect anything. Yeah, it's good to have foils. The three of you. But I don't think I'm, I could do this by myself. Or could I? I'm having exactly this problem with some of the... Sort of darker stuff I'm looking at. Not as dark as capital punishment, but things that are more... They're closer to the surface. Like like when you have those conversations with people and something pops up and you go, wow, you... I didn't think you'd think that. But, yeah, so... so Because when, when you're writing that stuff, you do sort of go, oh... Are they understanding this as um, irony? Yeah. How broad do I have to be? But if I get really broad, then it's going to make you, it's going to be very dark imagery. So the depths, you know, between the reality and the satire of it, when they get closer, 
which the more often they are when perhaps one's writing on one's own or as a persona that's just a heightened version of yourself, it's not a character. Yeah. When they're much closer, that, that dance with the danger of how people will perceive it gets much trickier to execute um, Definitely. precision. Yeah, and I think pretty much what I'm writing almost all of the time and I, and I will stress this, is uh, miles away from where I actually sit as a human on earth. Yeah. They're, they're things that I really... And, and in terms of the capital punishment, that was written no, around about the time that they strung Saddam Hussein up and mm. all over the front pages of the news and even on the television, we were all cheering like we'd won the war and, it were, and what a wonderful thing it was. And like front page of the paper were, were shots of him just before he had the noose around his neck. And I'm like... Hang on, we live in Australia. What's going on? And I was furious when I wrote that song. So angry and so upset with the world that I lived in. And that was actually went beyond Australia. But like, and then as a result, I wrote this song that this bigoted Aussie gets up and sings. And, and he hasn't really put much thought into it. But he then thinks, oh, yeah, you know, well, if they bump off Saddam, I could think of a few who should go as well. And it goes from people that you could, you know, possibly get. Get behind the idea if you're a mentalist, i.e. the Prime Minister at the time, dot, 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 you know, substitute Prime Minister here, through to ridiculous stuff like Bud Tingwell, who then did pass away, unfortunately, uh, and Hugh Jackman, you know, just because he's so hot and all this sort of stuff. So I would have thought it would have been really blatantly obvious. But then I did, I said to Mark when we were writing the tune... It should sound like Don't Worry, Be Happy. It should be like a Bobby McFerrin, sort of an up reggae sort of thing and really boppy and stuff like that to sort of juxtapose it. So juxtaposing the the, the horrible idea with mute musically is a, is a sort of, you know, thing oh, yeah. that works quite well as well to, to just in case people are scratching their head going, do they really mean this? So the fact that the musical style is miles away from the content, the, the lyrical content should possibly be a bit, a bit of a signifier. And yet, you know... It's like when you do it, when you write a really serious style of song, but the person who's telling the story in the song's um, patently awful. So yes. there's something about the bombast and the earnestness of it that, yeah, that yeah. punctures their yeah. their pride, and that's what we want to see. We want to see we want to see somebody pompous having their pride punctured. Alliteration. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's what you know, so much comedy comes out of that. So if yeah. you're the proud person on stage, you're the high status person and you're constantly kind of pricking at your own ridiculousness, um, especially blithely unaware, then that's a mm. really powerful thing. So Yeah, I, I could do a bit more of that. I don't I mean a lot of my characters are really down and scungy and dark, but but I like that idea too. I've done a little bit of that. I wrote I wrote a great You're so sure that you're right. Yeah. But everything you say is so stupid. Yeah. They're getting it. Yeah. And so everything you say is undercutting the character that you are and pricking your pomposity. Yes. Then that's then that is where the humour comes out of. So yeah. either watching a pompous person, another character getting pricked by another character, sort of kind of going bringing them down. We like to see that. That's the kicking. That's the kicking up thing, you know. Yes. But it's lovely watching a character on stage who doesn't who doesn't have any idea how ridiculous they are. Yeah. 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 Like Malvolio. Until he gets hurt. Yeah. And then it's heartbreaking. It's so intense that uh, watching Malvolio in... 
Um, or is it Twelfth, Twelfth Night? Night? It's Twelfth Night. Yeah. It's Twelfth Night. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Shakespeare. Sorry, Shakespeare. Yeah, that's all right. Um, but he's but, four four hundred and a bit now. So. Yeah, well, four fifty. He's old yeah. enough to be able to take it on the chin. <coughs> but uh, yeah, Malvolio is such a great character because he's so unlikable until until that horrible moment when he realizes he's been made fun of. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that he's human, just like. And that he's human, and, and every Shakespeare character. Yeah, well, that's why it's kind of lasted that. Can long. I say the can I say S-H-I-T? Is that all right? Will yeah, that I think pass? so. You've just spelt it. So yeah. I've spelt it, kids. Um, so, <laughs> or adults, you know. This is just because we're, we're being um, aware of the sensibilities of a possible yes. Melbourne Cabaret Festival. Of course. Well, it says it in the two-minute clip. Actually, it's not a, oddly enough, there's a much, much less swearing in Australian Horror Story than Beautiful Losers. But anyway, the show starts with a song called There's Some Spooky Shit Going Down. And, and it's just like that's, you know, just letting people know what's, what's coming up and it's a lovely three-part harmony, spooky sort of arrangement. I think we're going to enter with... Um, uh, Torches hoods. under your chins? Yeah, 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 totally, yes. yeah. Hoods, <laughs> hoodies, yeah, you see, not hoods. And uh, this is what we did in 2000, 2012 and I think I'm going to bring it back. And VB stubbies with candles in them. Oh, fantastic. So we have the VB cans under our chins lighting our faces and we're wearing hoodies and Perfect. stuff. Perfect. So, yeah. I love it. Just got to talk Mark into that one. He doesn't know what a hipster is. So, you know. Transition. Well, we've talked for ages. Yeah, it's been fun. We might actually just be able to do one And on we've your talked own. about stuff, you know, equal parts of stuff. Equal Miss, parts Miss, of stuff. Um, you know, Anne Elk or whatever your name is. Who? The person, the complainant. I don't even know who it was. <laughs> I didn't even look. It wasn't Anne Elk. I presumed it was a man. Oh, okay. I presumed it was a guy. Oh, it could have been a woman. I just really like the name. Once yeah. again, keeping the, the warning intact, we had a cleaner at my school, high school, called Mr. Futchik. True story. Fat chic. Wow. And I knew a girl called Debbie Slaughter once and she was very demure. Debbie Slaughter. <laughs> she was the quietest, most demure person. Debbie Slaughter. That's an Australian awesome horror name. story, folks. <laughs> June seventeenth oh. to nineteenth. Like the page. There you go. I just did it once. I don't know, guys. <laughs> Let's wrap this shit up. Yeah, yeah. I see now you've done it. It's catching. Oh, I swore. Sorry. Yeah. It's two shits. Oh, now it's three. Shit. Oh, it's four. Oh, oh, see. Thanks, Carlos. Thank you very much, Geraldine Quinn. Quim. <laughs> Pseudonin. <laughs> Thank you, Carlos Zay. Yes, that is how you pronounce it. Well, enough of the comedy boobs and Shakespeare and references to breaking pomposity. Next episode of Bang on the Strillers, we will be talking to another Melbourne Cabaret Festival alumni. Who should it be? I don't know. Maybe book tickets. Hello, listeners. Violence in society is completely unacceptable in any way, shape or form. So if there is anything that we discussed in the course of this podcast, as we were discussing the work that we produce, which is critical of such social pariahs as domestic violence, sexual assault and the like, then please do get in touch with someone who can help you. A good place to start is the National Sexual Assault Family and Domestic Violence Counselling Line. Their phone number, which is 24 hours, is 1-800-RESPECT. That's 1-800-737-732. That's 1-800-RESPECT. That is an Australian number. Keep yourself safe. Be nice to everybody around you. Violence is never acceptable. <laughs>